What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another segment of Meninge Trois. I'm your hostess, Keeks, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. How has everyone been doing? I pray that everyone has been doing great. Man, I missed y'all. I really have. I've been doing good. I won't complain. You know, I have my moments, my days, but overall, I've been doing great. But I would like to welcome everybody for tuning in. If you are a faithful and fellow listener, I would like to thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support and your devotion. If you are a newcomer to this podcast, I welcome you with open arms. I wish I could give you a hug. Thank you for tuning in and coming to get the spiritual vibe coming get coming to get these spiritual vibrations for your mental stimulation. So I'm not gonna take up too much time and go ahead and get right into it, you guys. First and foremost, make sure you all are following me on my social media accounts. You can find it, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Meninjetois. Secondly, make sure you guys are following my podcast team, SFA Charlotte. That is S.F.A.Charlotte. You guys can find and follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at SFA Charlotte. And you can stream our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and CastBox. Then finally, make sure you guys share and promote this con- this content in this podcast. Maybe you had a conversation with a coworker on a topic and you know you want to share some information with them. Maybe you're intrigued by the information that I'm sharing, or maybe you just love my podcast so much you want to promote it on your own social media accounts, or you just want to share it with your family and your friends. I strongly encourage you to do that, and I want to tell you thank you. I sincerely appreciate all the love and support I get from my podcast. Seriously, you guys help me and encourage me to keep going, so I encourage you to do that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So now that I got the announcements out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes, shall we? This particular episode, you guys will hear me talking about Buddhism, the religion. So, you know, I made an episode talking about Buddha, you know, talking about telling a little bit of his story. But in this episode, I will specifically be talking about the religion itself. So the goals for this episode are to examine the etymology and history of the term And then to give you guys a general overview of the religion itself. So let's go ahead and get into it. In examining the etymology, I looked at two terms, Buddhist and Buddhism. And I chose to look at the two terms as I, I guess I just assumed that there would be different definitions in both, you know, Buddhist would I assume would be someone, you know, who follows Buddhism and then Buddhism is just a, not the name of the religion. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there just so you guys know where my definitions are coming from. And also so you guys know what specifically I was looking at and studying the terminology. So our first set of definitions comes from one of my favorite dictionaries. Not my most favorite, though. One of my favorites, <laughs> the online etymology dictionary. So. The online etymology dictionary defines Buddhist as, quote, one who professes Buddhism, a follower of the Buddha, end quote. I will also add that um, it defined or it labeled Buddhist as a noun. I'm going to add that in all the definitions just so you guys know and understand the language better. So the term Buddhist was created in 1810 
by combining the term Buddha and the suffix ist. Buddha, aka Siddhartha Gautama, is the founder of the religion. And you know, as most things created by humans, we tend to name things after ourselves. So just think of Darwinism, Newton's law, Confucianism. So in this context, it would be Buddhism. And then the suffix ist, or ist just to spell it out is used to show the action of the noun and it specifically means quote one who does or makes i also found um another definition for buddhists um from the online etymology dictionary and it says quote also used to indicate adherence to a certain doctrine or custom end quote so there was a couple of things i wanted to say about um this definition first and foremost is that I found it interesting because you know with the English language it's so complex and sometimes it's just too damn complicated um but I thought of I tried to think of other terms that would have a similar pattern in defining the the terminology so just say for example in defining neurologist when you look at the definition for a neurologist, well, the definition I found is that a neurologist is a specialist in the anatomy, functions, and organic disorders of nerves in the nervous system. So you can just say that a neurologist is a specialist in studying nerves. Whereas you look at a definition for a Scientologist, and a definition for a Scientologist is a believer in Scientology. So you see within these two definitions, you have a profession and then you have a believer. I feel that they kind of go hand in hand. I guess it just depends on the subject, you know, neurology, you're studying science, science, how, well, maybe not with <laughs> both of these are kind of scientific, um, scientific terms. And these were the first two words that came to mind, you know, and trying to think of words that ended in the suffix IST. But I found these to be interesting because they both show how a person belongs to a certain community. It just shows you the, I guess it just shows them belonging in a different way. So like, for example, with the neurologist, the neurologist definition, that's a profession, whereas the Scientologist definition is a believer or a follower. And then, of course, you look at the definition of Buddhism or Buddhist, sorry, it's someone who follows the religion of Buddhism. And I also find that to be interesting because it's almost like there's a power dynamic. Maybe I'm assuming that, but I feel that, you know, when you're a professional in a certain area, you have a certain level of leadership. Whereas if you are a follower, you're, you're not seen as a leader. You're presumed to be a follower. Interesting. So the next definition, um, well, actually, before I jump into the next definition, I want to mention that the term Buddha, Buddhist, sorry, I don't know why I keep saying Buddha, Buddhist was borrowed from the Sanskrit language. And the Sanskrit language is a language that's spoken in India. And they pretty much borrowed this term for the, from the Indian language to create a Western one. So the Indian Sanskrit version 
of Buddha is spelled B-A-U-D-D-H-A. I'm going to say that's pronounced Bauda, you know, using the English phonetics and everything like that. It may actually not even be that because y'all know how complicated the English language can be. Um, But when you define that term, it is defined as, quote, a follower of Buddha, end quote. And I also want to mention that even though the online etymology dictionary says that Buddhist was created in 1810, that doesn't actually mean that it was created at that time. Um, it was actually created way before that. It just so happened to reach the Western Hemisphere during that time. Just want to throw that out there. So the next definition I have is Buddhism. Buddhism a noun uh, defined by the online etymology dictionary as, quote, the religious system founded by the Buddha in India, end quote. And then additional notes I have is that this term was created in 1801 by combining the term Buddha or the noun Buddha with the suffix ism. And that's pretty much all the notes I have on that one. So after looking at both of these definitions, I want to point out that it was very interesting that Buddhism was created first in 1801 and then Buddhist was created next in 1810. At first when I was looking over my notes I was like oh well why did it take nine years for them to create another term for it but it makes sense because you know with as it continued to grow within the western hemisphere they needed a way to label and identify people following this particular faith. You know, we love putting labels on things, so why not? <laughs> Complete sarcasm. Um, so I just found that to be very interesting. And then the next thing was something I already mentioned. You know, this doesn't mean that Buddhism started in 1801 or in 1810s. It was practiced way before that time. It just so happened to reach the Western Hemisphere around that time. And yeah, so our next set of definitions comes from the Google Dictionary. Google Dictionary, um, when defining Buddhist, they had two definitions, one in defining Buddhist as a noun, and then a second definition defines Buddhist as an adjective. So when defining Buddhist as a noun, the Google Dictionary defines it as, quote, an adherence of the religion based on the teachings of Buddha. End quote. And an adherent is pretty much a person who follows a particular cause or someone who's a supporter of a particular movement or something of that nature. So in this case, it would be someone who's a follower of the Buddhist. Well, I shouldn't say the Buddhist of Buddhism. You know, you don't want to use the word that you don't want to define a word and then use the word in the word that you're. Y'all get what I'm trying to say. If I'm defining Buddhist, I don't want to say Buddhist in the definition. There we go. So the next definition, um, defining Buddhist as an adjective, quote, is relating to the religion based on the teachings of Buddha, end quote. Really didn't see any differences there. I mean, it was just that one's a noun and one's an adjective. So we're going to go ahead and move forward to the next one. Uh, the Google Dictionary defines Buddhism as a noun, and when you define Buddhism as a noun, it is defined as, quote, a widespread Asian religion or philosophy founded by Siddhartha Gautama in northeastern India in the 5th century, end quote. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I had some problems with that definition. 
Well, really just one issue because they said an Asian religion. Maybe I'm being really sensitive about it, but I just don't like the verbiage because there are multiple Asian religions. So I feel like for you to make that general generalization and calling it an Asian religion is just, it's, I just don't like it. Now, granted, they didn't say the Asian religion, but still, I just, I don't like the verbiage of that. So that, that's just me though. Um, But I do like that they identify who founded the religion and around, they even gave you a time frame as to when it was founded. So I like that aspect of the definition as well. Then our final definitions come from, comes from one of my favorite dictionaries, dictionary.com. One thing I will mention about dictionary.com is that they did not have a definition for the term Buddhist, but they did have a phenomenal and amazing definition for the term Buddhism. And I'm going to go ahead and share that with you guys. So according to dictionary.com, Buddhism is a noun and it is defined as, quote, a religion originated in India by Buddha Gautama. They have that in parentheses. And later spreading to China, Burma, Japan, Tibet, and parts of Southeast Asia, holding that life is full of suffering caused by desire, and that the way to end the suffering is through enlightenment that enables one to halt the endless sequence of births and deaths to which one is otherwise subject. End quote. I'm gonna drink some water really quick because who really had to pace myself in that one you know it was very beautiful you know just 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 very long sorry you guys just a little parched but I love this definition because it's very it provided a very detailed description of the religion you know who founded the religion where it spread to they didn't really give you a time frame and telling you when it was founded as the google definition did but they also they did give you i guess a general overview of what the religion believes in you know and saying that life is full of suffering caused by desire and saying how you end the sufferings and all of that I really really appreciated that about this definition and that's why I give you guys various definitions because every definition has something different to offer and I really try to go for the ones that are very different just to give more perspective so in examining the etymology my conclusions is that Buddhist is a noun and Buddhist is used to identify a person not well I have belonging but it's not you don't belong to the religion a person who follows the religion of Buddhism whereas Buddhism again another noun is the actual name and title of the religion itself another thing that I saw and concluded is that Buddhism was created first in 1801 and Buddhist was created in 1810. And and having though that difference in the um, time frame of the terms being created, you know, I feel like that just speaks to the popularity and the growth of the religion within the Western Hemisphere. Because again, you know, it was practiced way before 1801. It just so happened to reach our side of the world around that time. And it just started to flourish around that time as well. But 
altogether, both terms relate to a follower, believer, and participant of the Buddhist religion. Let's get into some history. So in this segment, you guys will just hear me give you guys a general overview of the history of the Buddhist religion and of Buddhism. So the first question I have is, when was Buddhism established? To answer this question, honestly, it's hard to say because it was already being practiced even during the life of Buddha himself. There was just a different variation of it. And in examining its history, I saw that it branched out to various schools. So there is no exact date or year to document when Buddhism was, or when it was first established. But I will say that it was first recognized on a national level. Well, I shouldn't say it was first. It was recognized on a national level for the first time sometime during the third century. And y'all know that was a long-ass time ago. So the second question I have is, who founded Buddhism? Siddhartha Gautama. You guys heard me mention his name a lot before. And if you want to find out more, you guys can feel, please feel free to listen to my episode, The One About Buddha, where you'll hear me talk about his life and his story and everything of that nature. One thing I will add about this, though, is that it's very interesting that he is said to have founded the religion because, again, in doing my research, I saw that it was being practiced. There was just a different variation of it being practiced. So if the religion was already being practiced, why is it that he said to have founded the religion? And then, of course, right away. I think of Christianity and maybe this is the ethnocentrism see you know peeking in because you know I feel like sometimes we and I it's not even that we make things about ourselves but you see things through, you're so used to seeing things through your own cultural lens so in order for you to better understand something you always have to look through your own cultural lens to understand it but I would challenge us all to remove our cultural lens, including myself. Um, but I just wanted to mention this because, you know, you think of the um, the religion of Christianity. I'm not sure if you can. I'm not sure if Christ is said to have founded Christianity. Um, but I just find it interesting, you know, that Buddha is said to have founded the religion and it was already being practiced. A variation of what was being practiced. So. You know, why is it said that he founded the religion? Moving forward, third question I have, where is Buddhism most commonly practiced? For continents, I have Asia. I don't even know why I said continents, because really, I just, I have one. And um, I mean, of course, there's other continents where it's practiced. You know, it's practiced in Australia and Europe, uh, here in North America, but it's most commonly practiced in Asia. And that makes sense because that's where it originated from, specifically in Nepal. But I do have the names of the countries that Buddhism is practiced or the most prevalent within the continents of Asia. And those countries include Thailand, Cambodia, Myanmar, Bhutan, Sri Lanka, Tibet, Laos, Vietnam, Japan, Taiwan, and Macau. 
and I think I pronounced Macau right. If I didn't, forgive me. Um, but yeah, most commonly practiced in Asia, and it originated in Nepal, and Nepal is right above India. I'm surprised India is not on here, but you know what? I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episode, so yeah. Next question, or I guess statement, what type of religion, well, this is a question, what type of religion is Buddhism? And when I say what type of religion is Buddhism, I'm getting into the topic of what, is it a monastic religion? Is it a polytheistic religion? Is it a pantheist religion? Or is it an atheist religion? And those of you who are not familiar with this terminology, this pretty much examines its beliefs in higher powers, its relationships with higher powers and things of that nature. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys um, a quick definition of these four terms just, you know, to inform those who may not be familiar with what these things mean. So a monastic religion is a religion that believes that there is one God and it has one God. A polytheist religion is a religion that believes in or worships more than one God and they have multiple gods. A pantheist, uh, pantheist dictionary, oh my gosh. A pantheist religion is a religion that believes in or believes that God resides within the forces of the universe. So the best way that I can paraphrase that is that God exists in everything, you know, from the trees and the animals to the cars that we drive, our cell phones, everything. God exists in everything, in everything. Um... And not only that, that all of those things are also, we are variations of God, if that makes sense. Kind of like we, we come from God, you know, we belong to God, God is in everything, that. And then the final definition, atheist religion is a religion that has um, a disbelief in the existence of God or any gods. So just to give you guys a brief definition of those four things. So in studying Buddhism, it was really hard for me to identify how to categorize this religion because I, I did this by process of, of elimination. I, excuse me. Excuse me. I really didn't look to see, you know, how researchers would identify it. I really just wanted, I guess I just wanted to figure this out for myself, but at first, I said that Buddhism was a polytheistic religion um, because I guess I confuse the deities that they worship um, with God. And that's the thing. In doing my research, I saw that they didn't call their deities gods. They had different terms for them. And you guys will hear me talk a little bit about that in the next question. Um, but they didn't call them God. So I guess because the language and the verbiage was different, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's not polytheistic. You know, they um, 
they don't pray to a certain God. And I don't even know if you can say that they believe in God. So that's why I was like, oh, at first I was totally against it being an atheist religion. But then I was like, oh, well, technically it just might be an atheist religion because at least in doing my research, I didn't see that they pray to a higher power. They don't pray. They meditate. So if they don't pray to a higher power, they don't believe in a God, then technically that would be an atheist religion. I could be wrong. You know, I'm just here to do research and share with you guys um, the information that I learned. But I definitely will speak to a professional about that because that's something I'm very curious to know. And again, I didn't I, I wouldn't label it as a monastic religion because they didn't they don't identify a specific God. They have various deities that, you know, they look to, but they're not gods. So I'm going to say it's an atheist religion. Moving forward to my next question. This really isn't a question. I really didn't have a way to make it a question. Um, But this just more so gets into the types of deities that are looked to in the Buddhist religion. So you know how every religion has its highest power um, or its disciples, its prophets, things of that nature. So I just kind of want to say that the highest power will be seen as the God. The disciples would be seen. Well, I did that in the wrong hour, the wrong order. The highest power would be the God. The prophets, I see prophets as people being very close to the highest power. They are like the, they just have very close connections to the highest power because of a great achievement that they achieved in their life, um, things of that nature. And then after you have the prophets, you have what I will call the disciples, which are pretty much the followers of the prophets. And the disciples are those who are very close to the prophet. Um, I feel like they also have a close knit relationship to the higher to the highest power or the higher power, but not as close as the prophets. And that's just my way of seeing these things. But within a Buddhist religion, they have over 50 deities and all of these deities are different because it depends on which school of Buddhism you follow. Again, they don't pray to these deities. I honestly, I'm not sure if they worship them or if they make sacrifices to them. But I know it's one of those things where it's like they look to these deities to help them get through their suffering. And again, the suffering gets back at the defini- the uh, dictionary.com definition you guys heard me mention before. Another thing I want to mention is that They do have a deity. They have different names for their deities. And one of the, mm, I guess one of the most prominent deities, uh, they're called Bodhisattvas. And a Bodhisattva, have this amazing definition, is a person, or not a person, um, a being moved by compassionate zeal to aid fellow beings 
hence willing to postpone his or her own entrance into nirvana to this end. One whose being or essence is Bodhi. And Bodhi is, it means enlightenment or the spiritual condition of a Buddha or Bodhisattva. So the best way to understand this, and again, this is the ethnocentrism peeking in, um, trying trying to relate it to Christianity. So let's just say, for example, if you're looking at Christianity, Jesus would be a Bodhisattva because, well, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Um, Because the only reason why I say maybe not is because the Bodhisattva is a person who's willing to postpone their own entrance to Nirvana. And Nirvana within the Buddhist religion is basically heaven. Did Jesus postpone, postpone his entrance to heaven? No, I won't say that. But he did die, you know, so that we all could go to heaven um so i i was gonna say that he's a bodhisattva but i'm not gonna say that nope i'm not gonna say it but a bodhisattva is someone that buddhists will look to to um i guess give them strength and encourage them in a system as they are suffering so i know there was a i forget the name i should have wrote it down but you guys will hear me talk about it a little bit more um when I give you guys more information about the religion. But a Bodhisattva is someone that is very prominent within the deity realm because this is someone that, again, is very close to reaching nirvana. And again, nirvana is heaven. And that's the goal in being Buddhist, to reach enlightenment so you can uh obtain so you can go to so you can reach nirvana i feel like i'm not using the terminology right you know i know you reach enlightenment and then i know i don't know if nirvana is a place or you know if it's a feeling you know but the goal is to reach nirvana and if you're a bodhisattva you're literally right there but you're choosing to postpone going or reaching nirvana to assist others to get there if that's not love man i don't know what love is Next statement, um, Buddhist prophets and disciples, there are so many. I was trying to find a precise number, but it was very challenging because, you know, there are so many different schools of Buddhism and then within each school, they have their own prophets and disciples that they, um, that they look to. So one thing I can say is that Buddha is highly recognized and he's recognized in all schools of Buddhism. But within various schools, there are many, many, many prophets and disciples um, that each of them look to. Although I will say in looking over my notes and doing my research, I have yet to discover if any of the prophets received just as much recognition as Buddha. Next question, what are the Buddhist scriptures and sacred texts? First and foremost would be Dharma. Dharma are Buddha's writings and teachings, you know, things that he wrote while he was alive and taught to his followers. And one thing I can also say about Dharma is that it is used in all schools of Buddhism. In addition to the Dharma, there are various um, scriptures and sacred texts Another thing I would say is that 
the sacred text that you will follow depends on the school of Buddhism that you follow. And um, I do have some names for some of the sacred texts in my notes. I'm going to go ahead and share those with you guys. I've seen that they have various canons. So you have the Buddhist canon, the Tibetan canon, the Chinese canon, the Chart of Pali canon. And then in addition to the canons, you have the Dead Sea Scrolls, the first rehearsal of the Tipitaka and the Mahayana Sutras. And these are all the sacred texts and scriptures that I found that Buddhists look to, to, um, I guess, to assist them in practicing Buddhism and things of that nature. So since you guys heard me talk about all these different schools and branches of Buddhism, how many schools are there, Key? I'm happy that you asked because I can't wait to tell you. There are 19 schools of Buddhism, 19 total. Man, I want to say, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I, there's, there's, there's many, you have options. So if you do want to choose, if you do want to pursue Buddhism, you have options. Um, so what are the names of those schools? Do you have the Theravada, the Mahat, ooh, take my time, the Mahayana and the Vajrayana. In addition to those three schools, you have the Chinese schools, there's 10 of those. And then you have the Japanese schools and there's six of those. So you add all those together, you have 19 total. Now, the biggest schools of Buddhism would be the Mahayana being first, the Theravada being second, and the Vajrayana being the third. Next question. What kind of pilgrimage pilgrimages um, are taken within the Buddhist religion? I'm pretty sure I didn't word that that properly so there are four the first is going to Lumbini well before I get into that a pilgrimage when it comes to religion is you visiting a very sacred place so let's just say for example in a Muslim religion um their pilgrim their pilgrimage will be going to Mecca it's a very sacred um a very sacred place within the Muslim religion. I would say more about that, but I honestly don't know too much, so I'm just going to leave it right there. So then the Buddhist religion there, they have four pilgrimages. The first is going to Lumbini, and Lumbini is documented as the birthplace of Buddha. The second pilgrimage will be going to Bodh Gaya, and this is said to have been a place where Buddha reached his enlightenment. The third pilgrimage will be going to Sarnath, and this is documented to have been um, the first place where Buddha gave his first teaching. I probably shouldn't have said first twice, but whatever. And then the fi- the fourth and final pilgrimage will be going to... Ooh, hold on, y'all. The fourth and final pilgrimage will be going to Kusinagara. And this is documented to have been a place where Buddha passed away. One thing I will say about all four of these pilgrimages pilgrimages is that they all are located in India. So if you want to practice Buddhism and you want to go on a pilgrimage, hey, you got the names, you just go ahead, buy a ticket, go ahead, take a trip. Then the final question I have, well, it's not really a question, it's more so of a statement, um, the afterlife. 
within a Buddhist religion. And this is honestly one of the things I've always admired about Buddhism because I just find it to be so intriguing and so fascinating. So Buddhists believe in reincarnation. If you don't know what reincarnation is, reincarnation is basically the belief that after you die, you will transcend to, or you'll be birthed again into another form. And that form can be a tree, it can be a bug, it can be a multitude of things. It's just what determines what you will be birthed as is your decision your choices that you made in your past life. Now, one thing I'm not sure about is that if the Buddhists have a caste system, and you guys heard me talk about that in a previous episode, but a caste system is basically a social hierarchy um, that is used to classify people. And I know it's something that is practiced within the Hinduist religion. I didn't see any evidence of that in the Buddhist religion, but I know that within the Hinduist within the Hinduist religion, they also believe in reincarnation. So I wonder how reincarnation um, works within a Buddhist religion. You know, you die, you're born into another being and or entity, but you know, is there a social hierarchy? Is one entity or being worse than another, you know? And I know within the Hinduist religion, you have the caste system, you know, you want to be, you want to get as close to being a part of the highest caste compared to being a part of the lowest caste. But that's all the notes I have on that part. And that concludes this episode. I would like to thank you guys for tuning in and coming to get these spiritual vibrations for your mental stimulation. I have been your hostess, Keeks, and you have been listening to another segment of Meninjay Trois.